Well, great to see everybody today. I'm glad you're here. You made it, and uh, you made it through time change. You got an extra hour of sleep. Are you feeling good? Yes, good. So keep that excitement because I need your help. Later in the message, if you hear something that's helpful or uh, meaningful, you could give a shout like, amen, or preach, or you could take off a shoe and throw it at me. You know, just let me know that you're feeling the message. It helps. So uh, all for the one, hopefully you got one of these on the way in, or if you didn't, you can grab one on the way out. If you haven't been with us the last a uh, few weeks. We are in the middle of an initiative called All for the One, and I want to make sure that we all understand what it's about. So get online and listen to the last four weeks of this series so you can kind of catch the heartbeat of it. Take this booklet on the way out, and would you mind just read through it and pray through it? Because uh, on November 17th and 18th, we're going to wrap it up together. It's kind of like coming to the finish line all together and making commitment to see a vision come to pass. The essence of All for the One is this, is that we want to see God work through our church that over the next 10 years, that 10,000 people would come to know Jesus and be included in the body of Christ. That's what I'm praying for. That's what I'm believing God for. Somebody should say amen. That's the kind of a goal that, that I think Jesus alone would be able to pull off, right? That, but he does it as we yield to him. And, and part of that includes making sure we have space around here, and, and that calls for a response from us. And so... I want to encourage you to get ready to come. The goal is 100% participation. That There would be no one of us that would say, ah, somebody else can take care of all that stuff. But that instead, all of us would uh, do our all for the one. So that's where we're going to uh, be on uh, November 18th, that Sunday or Saturday night. So a few, uh, a few months ago, I had to take my daughter, Shiloh, to her annual physical checkup at the doctor. And we are Kaiser people, and so, you know, we went to Kaiser, and, and uh, it was a regular physical, so all the different things have to get checked out, so we did the, you know, the blood pressure section, and then the, the, the blood test, you know, taking some, did, did, did the, um, the scale, and then did the hearing test, right? And so they did the little hearing test for my daughter, and then the nurse said, you know, hey, we're all done, you're good, and you just wait over here, the doctor's going to be right with you, and uh, I said, wait, hold on, um, do you mind, would you do that hearing test for me? I mean, I'm a Kaiser guy too, and I, I know it won't be official or anything, but could we just, you just, you know, help me out and do that? And she said, okay, sure. It won't be official, but go ahead and sit down. So I sat down, and the hearing test began, you know, with those weird, like, boop, you know, beep, and you have to raise the paddle. Anyway, it, it was doing the test, and then about halfway through, the nurse that was doing the hearing test started to raise her eyebrows. And then about two-thirds of the way through, she was full on, like, turning her head to the side and raising her eyebrows. I'm like, what's wrong? Did the machine break? Is, is there a problem? Did I not get an A on the test? Like, oh, tell me I got like at least an A minus. And she was like, sir, this is very unofficial and this is not the way we do this. But no, you did not get an A minus. You did not get a B. You did not get a B minus. You did not get a C. I don't even know if you got a C minus, sir. You need to schedule an appointment with an audiologist as soon as possible. I was kind of floored. I was just, I was just messing around, right? But, but what I found out that day, was that I actually have a little bit of problem with my hearing. And it's, a, it's not what I wanted. I didn't think I was old enough to have problems with my hearing, but apparently, right? and it's, it's difficult because when your hearing isn't working right, it leads to problems. Like, uh, you know, one of my kids shouted out, I'm a sinner! And so I ran downstairs. I'm like, what did you do? What did you do? You know? And I said, Dad, chill out. I just said, it's time for dinner! Anyway, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, when your hearing doesn't work... It gets problematic, you know? So today I want to talk about our ability to hear. But I want to talk about our ability to hear the voice of God. 
And it's important for every one of us to understand that this is God's design and desire for us, that we would be those who hear the voice of God and take to heart what he says to us and then live it out. And so we're going to spend a little bit of time today in 1 Samuel chapter 3. I want you to open up your Bible or your Bible app and make your way over to 1 Samuel chapter 3. And as you're turning there, you know, the book of Samuel is about the prophet Samuel. And in the history of Israel, Samuel is one of the greats. I mean, Samuel is one of the ones who has a whole book (laughs) named after him, right? And yet we're going to jump into a moment in the book of Samuel that's about his childhood. And his mother, Hannah, had pleaded for God to give her a child. And uh, she miraculously was able to conceive. And then because of, of recognizing that this child was a gift from God, she decided to dedicate her son, Samuel, to the Lord. But dedications were a little different, apparently. You know how we do a dedication, and you come up here, and we anoint with oil, and then you go out for lunch and have a nice life with your child? It's a little different with Hannah. She dedicated her child to the Lord, brought her child to the tabernacle and said, here, and then left, right? So she literally left him there to grow up in the tabernacle under the priests there in the tabernacle. So uh, Samuel has grown up in the tabernacle. Uh, The priest's name is Eli. And his sons weren't up to much good at all. And even Eli, the priest, he's kind of losing the spiritual fire a little bit. But Samuel's a good kid who truly had a heart for God. And this is what happens. So 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now, in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare. And visions were quite uncommon. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Suddenly, the Lord called out, Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied. What is it? And he got up, and he ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you. Eli replied, go back to bed. So he did. And then the Lord called out again, Samuel. And then Samuel got up again and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son. Go back to bed. And Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called out a third time. And once more, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? And then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So again, he said to Samuel, go and lie down again, and if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed, and the Lord came back and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. Now, I love this passage of scripture because it's, it, you know, it's one of those, I love it when you get to a part of the Bible where it's just kind of a, a story that just unfolds in front of you and, and it's almost even a little entertaining, especially when you read it with voices of grumpy old men, right? It makes it that much better. But it's, it's also a story that highlights something that I think is maybe one of the most important things any of us could ever learn. I mean, this is Samuel, right? Samuel, like I said before, he grows to be this great, incredible prophet in all of Israel. He's the one who's used by God to identify David. David, David, Jesus is in the lineage of David, but David was identified by the prophet Samuel. Samuel's the one who anointed David with oil so that it would be clear to everyone he's the next king. I mean, Samuel's a great prophet, 
But the cornerstone of his whole life is this moment. This moment when his mother dedicated him at the temple. She might have thought, well, I'm dropping him off with Eli the priest. I'm certain he's going to learn some good things. He'll learn how to set up the altar just right. He might learn how to quote some of the Torah. He might learn how to, uh, you know, do the sacrificial offerings. Who knows, right? But that wasn't really the, the important thing. The, the most important thing for Samuel to ever learn was to hear the voice of God. That is what marked his life more than anything else. And for you and me, I think we need to take this to heart, that the most important thing we could ever learn is not how to go to church and get there on time or how to flip through the Bible most quickly or how to memorize this or that kind of a prayer, but instead that we would be people who learn how to hear the voice of God. And this is what is available to every one of us. Every one of us, we get to hear the voice of God. And so I want us to take to heart how that happens and what it looks like to hear the voice of God. And I want you to just you know, take in what we just read in verse 10. Again, it said in verse 10 that Samuel spoke. It said, the Lord came and called us before. Samuel, Samuel. And read the next part of the verse out loud. Ready, go. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. Say that phrase again. Speak, your servant is listening. Say it. Speak. Your servant is listening. Say it one more time. Speak. Your servant is listening. Close your eyes and say it one more time. Speak. Your servant is listening. You know, this, this short phrase to me encapsulates so much of what we've got to have in our hearts. And the first part of it is incredibly important to say, speak. The, the conviction is, God, I know you're not silent. God, I believe that you are willing talk to me. God, I believe that your voice can penetrate through the distraction, through the noise, through the challenge, through the difficulty, and come right to me. Speak, God. I don't believe that you set the clock and walked away and left us to our own devices. I believe you're willing to give me insight. I believe you're willing to provide revelation. I believe you're willing to answer some of the, the, the deep things that I'm wondering about. God, speak. Say it. God, speak. This is our conviction, that we believe he is God who is willing to speak to us. So we say, kind of like Samuel did, speak. Your servant is listening. Everyone say, your servant. This is important. We got to know who we are. We are sons and daughters of God. We belong to God. We are sons of God, daughters of God, children of God, and friends of God. But we're also servants of God. He's not genie in a bottle, God, where our wish is his command. No, no, he's God, God. And we are the ones who have the heart to serve him. So we hear his voice, and then we run with what he says and go and follow what he says and do what he says. Your servant, your servant, God, is listening. Everyone say listening. Listening. We, we, we provide a lot of bandwidth in our life to do a lot of different kinds of listening, don't we? I mean, we'll you know, be in the car and we'll turn on our favorite talk radio station. And it gets our blood boiling a little bit, but we like it. We listen to that the whole way to work, right? We get home and we, we, have, we, you know, we listen to some friends on the phone. You're talking back and forth, bantering, complaining, and, and we're listening to that. We turn on the TV. We listen to everybody shouting about what's going to happen this Tuesday. and We got, get all riled up about that too. And we listen to a lot of stuff, right? But have we determined 
to be people who would carve out space in our life, in our day, in our rhythm of living where God can speak. Because we've got to, we've got to be those who would say, speak, your servant is listening. And we've got to learn to posture ourselves in such a way that we actually are listening. Just say it, I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm listening because God has a mighty voice that shakes this earth and penetrates through to my deepest layers of my life, and I want to hear what he has to say. What I've found is that it doesn't come naturally all the time, that hearing the voice of God is not something that comes by autopilot for me. I tend to need to be a bit proactive about it, and so my message today is simply this. Set your heart on hearing from God. Set your heart on hearing from God. You and I get to do this. We get to set our heart on hearing from God, and I hope that we would determine that it's worth doing. Aren't there some things in your life that you would love to have some answers from God on? Aren't there some moments where you wish that God could give you some direction? Well, he can, but would you set your heart on hearing from him? Set your heart on hearing from God. One of the things I am deeply grateful for is that from a young age, God put people in my life that demonstrated for me that it's normal to hear the voice of God. I'm grateful that even when I was a little kid, and before I even really knew God, there, I was a part of a kid's choir, and the kid's choir director, uh, John Bertolo, would gather us kids together before the choir practice and talk to us about how God was speaking to him. And he would share with us what he felt God was saying to him about our little choir and about us kids. And man, it was a little weird, but, and I didn't even have a framework yet for it because I was just a kid who didn't even quite have my own faith, but it made an impression on me. And it told me, this is part of life, hearing from God. I thank God that when I was a little bit older and, and I was a teenager, now a believer, that, that, that I got to have a mentor in my life named Keith Jones, who was a man who would sit there in his easy chair when I would come in to, to meet with him and ask questions about, what am I supposed to do? And he'd tilt his head back and take in a deep breath, and then he would say, God is saying, and he would literally say that, God is saying, and he would say something to me that I needed to... Here, and, and it demonstrated for me that this is part of life, hearing from God. And I'm grateful for the fact that in this church, there's a mighty army that's beginning to rise up that is just like that, that says, I know the voice of my God. I hear my Father's voice. I heard what Jesus said, that I would know his voice, and I do. And we've got a prophetic ministry with literally hundreds of people who are learning to, to speak the, the things that God is saying. But every one of us gets to. It's not just for a, a small select group of Jedi Christians. It's for every single one of us. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. Do you belong to Jesus? Yeah. Then you're his sheep. You get to know his voice. This is what you get to do. You get to hear his voice. <laughs> I want to set my heart on hearing from God. But I, I recognize, too, that, that it's, not, it's not always the case for all of us that that happens. In fact, it wasn't the case in, in this day either that we just read in verse 1. It said as much. It said, meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. And read the rest of this verse, 3-1, out loud with me. Ready? Say it. Now, in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare, and visions were quite uncommon. This verse is descriptive, not proscriptive. What I mean by that, it, it, it is just simply describing the way things got to be. It wasn't how God wanted it to be. It wasn't that God wanted that his messages to people would be uh, rare and that, that the visions were uncommon. God didn't want it that way. It just kind of got to be that way. You know how it got to be that way? 
I would guess it probably got to be that way because a whole bunch of people just began to settle for mere religiosity. Ah, well, we just go to the tabernacle there in Shiloh. We kind of bring our little offerings and we do our little incantations. We walk around in a circle like this and then we do the hokey pokey and then we go out, right? And we're done. And settling for a mere religiosity deprives us of an actual encounter with the one whose voice shakes the heavens. And we belong to a supernatural kingdom if we are followers of Jesus. And we are meant to hear the voice of the king. And we've got to. We've got to set our heart on hearing from God. God didn't want it to be rare or uncommon. And so we need to choose to say, well, then, if, then maybe there's a way that I can change things so that I don't experience it as something so rare or uncommon. You know what I've found? I've found that people sometimes say to me, okay, I've heard the voice of God. There was this one time in my life where I heard God's voice. And then they'll describe a moment where it was like the, the time when they were going through the divorce or when that person passed away or, or when this tragedy happened. And then they heard God's voice. And, and I wonder if maybe it's, it's just that the circumstances finally got so desperate that the deeper places in them were open to the voice of God because of the desperation. And, and it isn't that God only wanted to speak to that person that one time back when. It's that it, it, we, we tend to settle for living in a kind of a superficial, shallow place with regards to our spirit. And so the deep speaking to the deep just doesn't happen so much. And so what I want to do is, Lord, how can, I, how can I choose to have my spirit open to what God might want to say in any given moment? Because I read the scriptures and I find that God wants to, by so many different means, communicate and speak. I mean, I'm going to just share with you 17 ways that God speaks. I mean, just through the scriptures, right? Different ways that God speaks. For example, Hebrews 4.12, God speaks through his word, <laughs> through the scriptures. It says that the, the scriptures are alive and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. God speaks right here through his word. He speaks. God speaks through angelic visitations. I mean, the Christmas story, right? It's full of angels. It's part of what happens when God wants to speak. God speaks through dreams. Joel 2, Matthew 2, 12. God speaks through direct revelation. Acts 18, 9. <laughs> Paul is wondering, where, where are we supposed to go? And there's this direct revelation from the Father right to him. God speaks sometimes through a fleece, like in the story of, in Judges 6 of Gideon, wondering what to do. God speaks through symbolic actions, Jeremiah 18, 1 through 10, where God says, Jeremiah, go down to the potter's house and watch. And he sees the potter take a, a thing that he was making and crumple the clay back up, right? And God spoke through that prophetic action. God speaks through prophetic burning bush encounters, Exodus 3. God speaks through the still small voice, 1 Kings 19.12. God speaks in a loud, audible voice, Revelation 1.10. And I heard a loud voice in heaven. God speaks sometimes through miraculous signs, Exodus 8.20. God speaks even through the casting of lots, in the New Testament, Acts 1, 23 to 26, they needed a new apostle. Judas was gone, and they had two guys. They didn't know which one it should be, and they cast lots. That's like the equivalent of rolling a dice, but God spoke. 
spoke even through that. He'll speak however he chooses to. God speaks sometimes through literal writing on the wall. Daniel chapter five, God speaks through fire. First Kings 18, 37. God speaks through visions, Genesis 15. God speaks through prophets, not just Jeremiah and Isaiah and Old Testament prophets, but New Testament, Acts 21, 10 through 11. Those in the body of Christ equipped with a prophetic gift. God speaks through preaching, Jonah 3, 4. God speaks through a trumpet, Exodus 19, 16. God speaks through the apostles, 1 Peter 4, 11. God speaks in visions and dreams, Joel 2, reiterated in Acts 2, 17. God speaks through each believer's revelatory gifts, 1 Corinthians 12. Our God is speaking. Come on, say, our God is speaking. And if we're not hearing his voice, the lack isn't with God. If we're not hearing his voice, we're the ones who need to learn how to tune in. Because there's no question from the biblical record as to whether God is willing to share his heart with his people. He is, but we've got to tune in. We've got to figure out how to tune in. I, I like to listen to the news in my car, and I like to listen to 91.9 NPR news in the car only, right? But uh, my car is perfectly capable of playing that station for me. But if I'm messing around over in the AM section, I'm never gonna hear 91.9. It's just not gonna happen. And I wonder if some of us need to adjust the frequency in our lives a little bit and adjust the frequency so that we can hear the voice of God and, and hear what God is saying. Because if we would, our experience of our relationship with God would be different. You know, Jesus said this. Jesus said in John 15, 15, he said, my sheep know my voice. He said, I, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. Because servants don't know their master's business, but you are my friend. The implication is a friendship with a two-way kind of a communication. And Isaiah the prophet painted a picture for us of what it can be like when we hear the voice of God. In Isaiah 30, in uh, verse 21, he, he said, this is what it will be like. Whether you, hear, uh, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. I mean, don't you want that? Don't you want direction in your life for which way to go and how to proceed? I believe our God is a good father who is willing to give it. But we've got to tune in in such a way that we can hear what he's saying. It's what we're made for. It's what we're made for. So I want to share with you right now five parts to the process of hearing God's voice. I don't mean for this to come across as some you know, quick formula. It's not that. These are simply Five things that you and I can do that will allow us to posture ourselves so that it's more likely that we can hear from God. Anybody here got an, a difficult issue? That's a, 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 you're not sure what to do about it, how to proceed. Anyone here have a, have a challenge that you really need God's guidance on? Well, then do these things so that you can receive his guidance. And if you want to, to, to live this out, hearing the voice of God, the first thing you got to do is tune, turn down the noise. That's number one. Turn down the noise. Somebody say, turn it down. What I'm talking about is if I slurry my spirit with social media from the time I wake up till the time I go to sleep, how am I going to ever hear the voice of God? Because all I'm going to be hearing is, oh, the shoe came off right there. Woo! I've always wanted that to happen, at least once. Ha! <laughs> Pastor Reggie, did that qualify? I don't know, man. I, I do, he's a get hit now. So... 
yeah, we're going to turn down the noise, and we have to. We've got to turn down the noise. If we really want to hear the voice of God, we've got, to, we've got to still our spirit and create some space and cultivate an environment where we can hear the voice of God. You know, one of the times I love is Wednesday mornings in this worship center. The place is opened up from 6 to 7 a.m., and, and you know, somebody is just playing a little bit of you know, gentle music, and then there's you know, a group of us that are just here to pray, and it's this environment where it's just about quiet praying together. And man, I love to come in here on Wednesday mornings and just hear what God is saying about my own life, about situations I'm facing. But, but that's an environment where the noise is turned way down. We need those in our lives. Moments where the noise gets turned down. And we got to tune in to the presence of God. That's number two. You got to tune in to the presence of God. Tune into the presence of God. The reality is that God is always present. He's always there. Jesus said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am with you always. Is he, is he believable or not? Do you believe he's with you always? Does he have duct tape across his lips? If he's with you always, then you should probably expect that he might have something to say. He's not mute. <laughs> He's got something to say. He is with you. You've got to tune into God's presence. We're, we have the capacity to experience God's presence, but we've got to tune in and recognize that he's there. Sometimes it helps to just simply say so, to say, God, you are here. To just even say that statement, God, you are here. Say it with me, God, you are here. I mean, right there on Tuesday when it's all going down with those colleagues and it's, you know, you're not sure what the outcome's going to be. God, you are here. In the midst of this difficulty, it, right there where you're dealing with your kids and they're dealing with you and you don't know how to respond, say it, God, you are here. Because when, when you acknowledge his nearness, it's, it's, it's really setting the tone for if, if he's there, he's probably got something to say. And the third thing that we, we need to be able to do is to trust God to speak to us. Trust God to speak. Trust him to speak. And say so, God, I trust you to speak to me. Try saying that one time. Say, God, I trust you to speak to me. And you say this, God, I trust you to speak to me. And then listen. You're going to find that he is going to be faithful to begin to speak to you. And number four is train your spirit to listen for his voice. Train your spirit to listen for his voice. There are a lot of voices. There's your own voice. You know, where you kind of talk to yourself in your, in your mind and, no, you're not crazy. You're just normal like everybody else. But that's one thing. There's the voice of the enemy that, that Jesus says is an accuser. And there's the voice of other people that just kind of, the phrases people have said to us rattle around in there. But through it all, then there's the voice of God. And we have to train our spirit to pay attention to his voice. I remember being a kid in third grade. And my mom signed me up to play the cello. And, and so I remember the day that I got my cello, and all us kids, we got our cellos and violins and violas and whatever, and, and we, they handed them out to us all, and we all started playing them, and it sounded like a hundred cats were being slaughtered right there in the schoolyard, right? It was terrible, but, but that first day, man, it was bad. But about two weeks later, you could hear us playing hot cross buns, hot cross buns, one a penny, two a penny. It wasn't impressive, but at least it had a melody, you know? And here's what I want to say, in terms of hearing God's voice, you know, if it's new for you, 
it might be a little hot cross bunsy at first. That's all right. It's okay. I mean, a few years later, I remember, you know, playing Beethoven's fifth, and I'm, I'm the first chair cellist, man. It was a big deal in the fifth grade. And, but it started somewhere. It started with, with, with a learning and giving myself the room to, to, to learn to do that. And we learn to train our spirit to hear his voice. And then number five is test what you think God is saying. Test what you think God is saying. Hold it up against the standard of the scriptures. This is the final arbiter of whatever we think God might be saying to us. This is the yardstick. This is what measures it. And we, we test it because we, we need to have the humility to acknowledge, I think this is what God is saying. I could be wrong. That humble disposition is the right kind of disposition. But, but as we grow in this capacity to hear the voice of God, we will find it to be life-giving. We will find it to be like light is finally shining where it was dark before. We will find that there will be comfort brought to us where before there was only anguish and loneliness. Like this is what we're made for, hearing the voice of God. And this is so important, especially when we're in a, in a season like what we're doing right now with our church, All for the One. I mean, it's a big deal to me that we are thinking together about 10 years of what God could do through our church. And I hope it's punctuated by so many of us rising up with a spirit of maturity that, that would say, I hear the voice of God. And I hear the voice of God for the one. That, that it's not just, hey, I want to invite you to my church. I mean, that's good too, but to have a, a spiritual maturity where you're able to say to that one, hey, I've been thinking about you, and I think God wants you to know that and you fill in the blank with something from the heart of God that brings life, that brings hope, that pronounces love, right? That's what we're made for. And also, in all for the one, every week I've been asking you to prepare your own heart to make a commitment on November 18th. And the best way I know to do that is to hear the voice of God and to begin to ask God, God, what, what am I supposed to do in response to all for the one? I mean, I'm standing here saying, hey, it's going to cost a lot of money to expand this facility, but would you pray about being part of the response for that? The best thing I know to do is to ask you to let God guide you for your own decision. So here's what I want to do. I want you to take this um, commitment card out. You got one in the bulletin today, but I want to make sure that on November 18th, that weekend, that we all are on the same page about what this is and what to do with it. So let me just kind of walk you through it again, because I think this is an opportunity to hear from God. There's no better way to proceed than just sensing what God is saying. So you open it up and, you know, what you'll write down is, you know, first of all, normal annual giving. If you are a, a mature follower of Jesus, you've, you've developed a spiritual discipline of giving in, as an act of worship. And that's the first line there. You go, yeah, over the course of a year, this is kind of our normal annual giving. We tithe. We do that. But then the second line, maybe it's still blank. How do you know what to write there? The best thing that you could possibly do is to ask God to direct you. So maybe you do something like this. You just start out by saying, God, I'm turning down the noise. I'm turning off the screens and shows. I'm just devoting some time to you. And now, God, I'm tuning into your presence. God, you are here. I mean, you're here. Even in this moment where I'm trying to figure out this is not just a transaction. This is adoration. So God, you are here. And then, God, I trust you to speak to me. And then you look at that second line, expanded. 
giving, God, how much should my expanded giving be? And let God speak to you. I mean, he might tell you an amount, a specific amount each month or the whole year or the whole two years, whatever. And then you write that down because in the end, what you want to do is what God is showing you to do. Not what anybody else is trying to, you know, you know twist your arm to do. But if you do what God has shown you to do, you'll have a good conscience and you'll have confidence to proceed. I know for Ann and I, as we kind of worked through this together and, and we just kind of felt more led to the two-year commitment, that, uh, the whole number. And when we worked through this, what we felt like God was speaking to us, it, it pushed us beyond our comfort zone. It was a number that was a big number for us. And, uh, you know, we should expect sometimes that as God speaks to us, he speaks to us in such a way that we are challenged, that will require us to, to proceed with some faith, you know? And, and I hope that for each one of us, we would ask God to speak to us about this, that it wouldn't just be some calculation that we do, but that we would say, God, you speak to me. You're my ultimate provider. You speak to me about this. Because then on November 18th, when you come up to these tables and you lay down this commitment as your, your offering, right? and then you begin to make good on it for a two-year period, you'll know I'm doing what God spoke to me about. And it will be a fulfilling journey for you as you do that. You know, I, I got together with a number of our leaders in our church a few weeks ago, uh, and, and we talked about Offer the One, and a bunch of our leaders went first and said, we want to make our commitments now. And then uh, they shared some of their testimony about why they were giving, and I want to share with you what they, what they said. So check this out. A few weeks ago, the leaders of our church gathered to lead the way in All for the One. They also got the chance to share their passion and vision for the future of Centerpoint Church. Called this home for nine years, and uh, who doesn't want their home to grow? Who doesn't want to welcome people more into their home? And that's why we want to give. We want to welcome people. So I'm giving to All for the One because um, I have a one that I'm contending for. When he finally says yes and comes home, I want our house to be prepared for him. I am excited to step up and step out for the kingdom of God. Jesus has created a no fear zone here and I need to uh, be an example. I need to commit to expanding and increasing the kingdom of God. Uh, thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity. I'm excited because we came here almost nine years ago, and uh, this church was really a blessing for us. I was very sick at the time, a lot of stuff going on, so it's been a huge blessing. I've seen the church, both of us, grow from the small building it was at to where it is now, and so that's incredible. And so it is our goal to be able to continue doing that. And you know what? I'm just on board with Pastor John's vision. I, I, he's just an awesome teacher, and they say the more the merrier. And I'm just on board with that. And I am stepping out on faith. I am believing. I'm not going to say I'm believing. I know God is going to open the door for us to give our part, to be part of the one. Yes, yes, yes. That's where we're at. Definitely. Yeah. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for stirring up. A willingness. You know, what we're praying for is that in All for the One, it would be a 100% commitment. I mean, for each of us, there's a different capacity to respond. But I think that what Jesus made clear through his prayer before giving his life was, Father, may they be one. You know? And I hope that we would be one. I have one heart, and there would be 100% of us to say, I'm going to do my part, whatever that part is. You know, as we 
as we learn to hear the voice of God, it changes people's lives. A couple weeks ago, uh, I, I had a problem with my sprinkler system at the house, like a massive problem. A bunch of the valves got crushed and broken and big, I can't explain it all, but and you know, I'm usually somebody who likes to do it myself. You know this. You've heard every story of everything I've ever fixed at my house, but this one, I just didn't have any time. I had, there was too much going on. I had no time, no margin to address it. Had to get fixed though, and so I called a guy to come to the house, and he came, and then he gave me a quote on fixing the sprinkler system, and it was way too much. I mean, it had a comma in it, and it was not supposed to have a comma in it, you know, I, and I'm like, thinking to myself, there's no way. I'm going to call five other people. But, but I, I heard the Lord speaking to me. Because I'm, I'm standing there listening to this guy tell me what it was going to cost. And I'm praying in, in my own mind and my spirit in this moment. And I felt like God was saying to me, go ahead and hire Philip. Cover Philip. Because I've covered you, haven't I? And I will cover you, won't I? I felt God speaking that to me. And so against, against my better judgment, right, I was like, Okay, Philip, you're hired. <laughs> anyway, he did the work, and after a couple days when I, I paid him the check that included the comma, you know, um, uh, he, he was like, so, you know, why did you decide to hire me? And I said, well, I decided to hire you because I was praying as you were talking with me, and I, I felt God speaking to me, telling me to hire you. And he kind of was like, hmm, <laughs> you know, that's interesting. And then he said, well, what was it about, you know, me that, that made you want to hire me? Well, you know, I said, no, really, it was... God spoke to me while you were talking to me, and God said to me, cover Philip. And, and as I said that, his eyes started to tear up, and I explained it a little bit more, you know, what I felt like God was saying about him, and God saying to me, cover Philip. And, then, and his eyes was, were tearing up, and then he said, let me, let me show you something. He went to his truck, and he grabbed his wallet, and he brought out his wallet, and then he took out a stack of checks from his wallet probably 75 checks or so, you know, and he started thumbing through each one, each one, you know, $700, $800, $1,200, $1,700, $300, whatever it was, uh, check after check after check, and then he's weeping. He's like, you know what these are? These are all NSF checks. I did the work. I did the work, and he's crying at this point. He's like, I did the work, and I never got paid. I, I never got paid all of these. And he's like, I cannot even bring these home to my wife because she will look at those addresses and she will go to those houses with a shovel and not to do landscaping, you know. <laughs> but what he was showing me, he's like, do you know how, this is what I live with. I do, I do the work, but I don't, have the, I don't have some office that can chase people down and I just do the work and I didn't get paid. But, but, he, but he's like, but what you just did, it tells me that God sees me, you know. And, and I, I, I'm so grateful, right? But this is for all of us, for every one of us, to pay attention to those whispers, those nudges, those promptings, to be those who hear the voice of God in real-time moments, not just at, at church on a Sunday, but here and there and in negotiations and interactions and, and to then do what God is saying and watch what he does as a result. It's beautiful. And it's what we're all made for, to be those who hear the voice of God and watch him shake the heavens through our obedience to what he's saying. So what I want to do right now is I want to pray for God to activate in each of us a capacity to hear his voice. Many of you are longtime believers, but the truth is this is new to you. You, you don't really feel like, you almost feel like this applies to some other group of Christians somewhere. But I'm telling you, this is for you. 
It's for every one of us to get to hear the voice of God. And I want to pray that God would turn the switch on inside of us to hear his voice. So I want you to just take a moment right now and pray with me. And we're going to ask God to do that. So why don't you close your eyes for a moment and just pray with me. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that you demonstrate throughout your word again and again and again. It's all about you speaking to your sons and daughters in a personal way. Thank you, Lord, that you call us a kingdom of priests, every single one of us, to a person, every one of us, authorized, equipped, to be able to hear your voice. Lord, I pray for some of us right now who feel like, man, this sounds like it just applies to somebody else, some super Christian. But Lord, in, in particular, I pray for those of us who might feel that way, that you would kind of break off of us that false mindset. And instead, God, I pray that you would create in us a resolve that would say, I get to hear from God. And all together, would you just say this? I get to hear from God. Say it. Say it again. I get to hear from God. If you're here today and you would say, I want the switch turned on. I want to be able to hear the voice of God in my life like never before. If that's you, if you'd say, I want to hear the voice of God like never before, would you just raise your hand right now as a way of just saying, I want this. Keep it up for a minute. That's so good. Yes, God, we want it. Lord, I pray for every single one of my friends who's just raised a hand right now that you would see the earnestness of our desire, God, to hear from you. And Lord, I pray that right now in the spiritual realm, in each one of us, there would just be an activation of a capacity to hear the voice of God. Right now, I declare over you, you get to hear the voice of God. And I want you to, in this moment, just simply say, those of you who have raised a hand, say, God, would you speak to me? Just say it, God, would you speak to me? Say it again, God, would you speak to me? And then pay attention. For one, it's a whisper right now. For another, it's, it's a symbol. For another, it's a picture. For another, it's an impression. For another, it's a face of a person. All of these are, are, are the living God speaking to you. He's beginning to speak to you. Now, just say, God, thank you for speaking to me. Just say it. If you saw something, heard something from him in this moment, say, God, thank you for speaking to me. Just say it. God, thank you for speaking to me. God, I pray for this capacity to hear your voice, to grow in all of my friends who just had the switch turned on. And that maybe a year or two from now, God, we would hear testimonies of things that have happened because you were speaking and we were listening. Our prayer, God, is speak your servant is listening. In Jesus' name, you can, raise, you can lower your hand. You know, Jesus said in John uh, 10, 27, my sheep listen to my voice. That's you and me. I mean, it's a metaphor, but this is how he, he sees the deal, is that he's our shepherd, and, and we're, we're his sheep. We're the flock that belongs to him. And he's the shepherd, and he's speaking to us. And he says, my sheep listen to my voice. That's us. Let's keep listening. He says, I know them. They follow me. And then verse 28, he says, I give them eternal life. They will never perish. No one 
can snatch them away from me. If you're a believer and you have received the gift of eternal life from Jesus and his follow-up promise of saying, they'll never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. Would you just simply say, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Say it. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Man, thank you, Jesus, for the gift of eternal life. Knowing that I have a home in heaven. Knowing that I'm safe for all eternity because of what you've done, Jesus. Mm, thank you, thank you, Jesus.